Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. and welcome to Amara and a Monk, and that will be Victoria. We are continuing our series on St. Peter the Apostle. Uh, this is episode five out of six, so if you haven't listened to any of the other ones, please go back and listen to those first, otherwise you'll have no idea what's happening. Now, let's just roll right back into it. Hi, and welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Victoria. And that's Christina. Today we're going to wrap up our discussion of St. Peter the Apostle. Uh, We've already talked about his life in the first two parts of this. And last time we started in on the excavations of his burial and what has happened to his body. So many episodes. So many episodes. Yep. We might have to cut that last one, too. (laughs) Yeah, it might be more than four now. It might be five or six. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whoops okay well Look, I I'm, just, I'm just excited about this okay it's yes. my favorite thing i love this okay uh so if you remember from last time they had uncovered a chamber in the uh saint peter's basilica under the high altar that they are reasonably sure is peter's grave it is underneath a tropeon which is like a little monument shrine mm-hmm. kind of deal uh, and they recovered some bones that at first initial glance they think could be the bones of a man aged 65 to 70, which would fit with the stories uh-huh. of St. Peter. Yes. Right? Yep. Yes. So that's where we're at. Uh, we're gonna Is it Peter? You're going to find out. Tell me. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so they find those bones. Initial glance, they think they're Peter. Um, but if you remember, the Pope set a condition when they started doing this work that they're not allowed to share any of the results with the public until, like, everything has been yes. fully documented and finished and, like, yes. done. Right. So they're pretty sure that they have found the thing they were looking for, right? There is no further inwards that they need right. to go. Or down, really. Or down, yeah. There's no more down. There's no more yeah. in. Uh, they think they've pretty much figured it out. And so now they're just going to go back and do a bit more detailed research and sort of sideways exploration to try to okay. figure out, like, what is this complex, you know? Yeah. Why is the red wall here? Who built it? When was it built? That right. kind of stuff before they release the official publication results. Okay. 
You know, they want to get the deets. Yeah, they need the deets. Yeah. Uh, Especially because they kind of just found his grave sort of by accident by shoving a guy's head in there. (laughs) Yep, and grabbing it. Yep, (laughs) grabbing a longbow. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to try to be a bit more careful now. Yeah. Uh, So in the central chamber, which they are now basically, like, they just accept that it's Peter's grave. Yeah. Um, They're just moving on with that assumption. They find, in addition to those bones that we talked about last time, they find a decent number of coins. Um. Nice. As well as uh, some little bits of cloth and like little token things that they assume were dropped through the shaft right. um, yeah. by the early pilgrims in Constantine's right. Basilica. Uh, they have also noticed with a bit more poking around that there. So you remember Peter's grave has an upside down recycled funerary slab on top of it. That they yes. stole from somebody else. Right. Uh, they've noticed now that there's a little hole cut in it. Oh. Uh, and above that hole is the shaft that Grissar had dropped the um, light bulb through oh. a hundred years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's the shaft that leads all the way up to the niche of the Pallia. Yes. Um, it goes all the way down into Peter's grave, or what they are thinking is Peter's grave. Okay. Which is exciting. So that makes sense. Yep. That's all good. Okay. Uh, the coins, they, you know, clean them up and do some studying, and most of them date to the time of Constantine's Basilica, so between the 4th and 15th centuries, when this was not buried in as many layers. Right. Um, makes although sense. there are a handful from the 1st to 3rd centuries, so Ooh. some of the earliest ones are right around the time Peter died. Right. Uh, which is interesting, although That's most of them crazy. are from the Basilica yeah. time, which makes sense, because once the Basilica's there, you're, like, There's allowed people. to be a Christian. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to be shady, and you know there's huge crowds right. and things, which so it makes because the other stuff that time. possibly could just be like miscellany, yeah, stuff in the graveyard, like not really. It's not yeah. like it was necessarily offered to him. Whereas after, yeah. they're definitely offerings. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so their yeah. focus now is to sort of expand sideways out from this grave and this tropeon to try to figure out like what this complex is about and what else okay. it looks like and things. Yeah. Uh, because they think that the Tropeon was built not that long after Peter died, right. in which case it was still illegal to be Christian. And they're like, why? Like, how could they have built this thing like in the public in a public place? You know, yeah, seems like a sketch and dangerous thing to do. So they're going to try to explain it. So they start doing some digging and they find out that the red wall, which you will remember from last time, is one of the yeah. first things they found and turns out is goes right down to the middle. Right. Uh, they find out that the red wall had originally been about 26 feet long. Uh, it's only about six feet left. There's only about okay. six feet of it left on either side of the tropion. Yeah. So they cut off about 10 feet on each side when they encased to, it all. Yeah, put yeah. it in the... In the they put it in, in the, Constantine's. Yeah, when Constantine cased it all in, they cut off so a basically, chunk on both sides. There was a miscellany red wall just in this graveyard. Uh, you're going to find out. So okay. That's what they're trying to find out. They're trying to find out if this red wall was already there, or if they built it, okay. or, like, what? what is this? Okay. Uh, so they find out it used to be a decent amount longer. Uh, they also find out that this wall is part of a complex of structures. So it's not just this one wall. There are a bunch of other walls, uh, sort of, like, enclosed courtyards okay. that structurally and architecturally match the rest of the graveyard. So okay. it, like, blends in with everything around it. Um, but they do think that it was probably purpose built for this. Like it wasn't already here and they co-opted it. It's more like when Peter was buried, it was maybe not like completely open air, but more like open hillside 
random yeah. grave in the random right. ground. And then later they built some stuff around, around it. it. Okay. Uh, so the Tropion, they determine, sits in a decently big open air courtyard. Uh, it's closed on all four sides, but it did, never had a roof, they don't think. Right. Okay. Um, it has a white tile floor, which is fun. Oh, fancy. Uh, and the Tropion, yep, the Tropion sits on one of the, it's like a big rectangular courtyard. The Tropion sits on one of the long sides. Yeah. Um, there's not really anything else in there, particularly, in this courtyard. Huh. Um, but it's a be- decently big room. I think it was probably big enough for 60 plus people to gather. Wow. Uh, and do stuff. So I have a picture for you. Is there like a so, door? Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> this is the original map of the long yes. line of tombs that they uncovered. Right. And this is the area that they had to stop at originally, right? Right. So now we've broken into here. We know it's in here now. So yeah. this is the Metasius tomb here, which is this right. guy here. Ah, and yes. this is what's under the, uh, the high altar. Ah. So they've got the red wall, which is a lot longer. Yeah. It used to be a lot longer than it is. And yep. it's just in this like big courtyard. It's got its little columns. It's got yeah. the slanty wall. It's got the graffiti wall. Yeah. In addition to that, on the other side of the red wall, so the back side of the Tropion, yeah. is like a little alley, and uh-huh. there's a various rooms leading off of and around the alley. So outside the alley, one of the things they find is the Agricola tomb, which, if you remember, is where our man in Indianapolis came from. That was Flavius right. Agricola. Yes. He was pulled up in the 1600s, so they right. pulled him up from here. This is his... His and that on this other, on the right hand figure would be on the other side of the high it's altar. It's sort of area. like partially, oh, like partially ish. under the yeah. high altar. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so they broke through on accident in the 1600s yes. and pulled him up. Um, but he is right next to the St. Peter complex, what we could yes. call the St. Peter's complex. Uh, right. So he's right there. When so what's go interesting in the- is, so we were talking about, you know, big long line, like streets of, um, Mm-hmm. tombs what are they called mausoleums mausoleums yeah. yeah um so now it looks like the ones that were closest to the to theoretically peter and under the high altar also had like like if you put a mausoleum in a museum mm-hmm. you know like a mausoleum in a little built in a like well if they didn't have roofs i guess but like in a little like fancy courtyard yes so, yeah, then, so this they think that yeah, this complex okay. didn't have roofs, although most of the other tombs would have had roofs. Right. Uh, so they go well, in the, the Agricola. Well, the tombs had roofs. Well, the whole mausoleum would have had, most yeah. of the mausoleums had roofs. Yeah, so, like, the um, Metatius tomb had a roof. Had a roof, That is, like, yeah. in a courtyard. Yeah, but it's probably it's in, had a yeah. nice little garden or something. Yeah, like and, like, a sitting area for the family and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go in the Agricola tomb. They're very excited to find the Agricola tomb because it's sort of, you know... Like, proves where did this reclining man come from? You know, he came from right. here, which matches all the stories. It's very fun. They go in Delightful. there and they find the rest of his sarcophagus because in the 1600s they only lifted mm-hmm. up the lid. Yep. Um, and they so destroyed the, the little his, plaque. They destroyed his little plaque, yeah. yeah. Um, but the rest, the like, the bowl part of his sarcophagus yep. is still in here. His body is still in there. Gross. Um, I think, I believe his wife's body is still in there too. So they're like, check mark. We know where Agricola came from. Like, right, it all works out. Um, nice and neat. Maybe we should put it back. No, just kidding. Yeah, maybe. South Indianapolis. It's fine. <laughs> uh, there's another room that they uh. find um, off the alley, but right next to the Agricola chamber, which is this one. Yes. And initially, they don't really understand what it's for. Because, like you said, a lot of these other Roman tombs have, like, little courtyard waiting areas yeah. around them. Which makes so sense, especially if you're really rich or something. like what this could be. Yeah. Because there's nothing else in there. There's no burials or anything. Mm. Except it doesn't open onto the 
Agricola tomb. Like you have to go down the alley, which is kind of weird. And most of the other tombs in this area don't have that. Like you can go from your courtyard directly into your tomb. You don't have to go back into the street. So they're like, we don't know what else this could be. So maybe it's part of the Agricola tomb, but it's empty. It almost looks like it's like one of those weird spaces that just happened because like all this is kind of shoved yeah. together. And so, yeah. like, this, the fact that it has walls around it is kind of incidental. And then somebody's like, oh, wait, there's a gap over here. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing that they notice in this room is that there's a big, uh, like, cistern oh. pool thing in one corner, which is what this is. Like a well? Uh, like, it does not, it's not deep enough to be a well. It doesn't okay. have, like, natural water, water? Okay. in it. You'd have to fill it on purpose. But they're like, oh. don't know. Don't know what this is. Uh, so they're just huh. kind of like, I guess it's part of the Agricola tomb because Could. the Agricola tomb doesn't seem to have its own courtyard anywhere else. Right. So they're like, maybe that's what this is. Maybe the door got bricked over at some point. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know. Could it maybe be like a uh, embalming like preparation area kind of like for the whole, maybe not for the whole graveyard, but for rich people? Because this is like the center of the graveyard and maybe you bring a body here, they wash it, you know. Yep, it kind could be. Like, they just, they just like, at this point, they don't know what it is. No there's idea. no inscriptions, yeah. there's no burials, there's no stuff right. in here. It's just, like, an empty room with a pool yeah. in the corner. So they're just like, mm, that's yeah. weird. The fact uh, that but, it has a pool, like, that feels purposeful. It's like, okay, what could that be for? Yeah, so they're trying to figure out yeah. what that is. They haven't worked right. it out yet. Okay. Um, so, like I said, the far back side of the red wall is on this alley. Mm-hmm. Um, at one end of the alley is our set of stairs that lead up a couple, like, a half half story of steps yeah because um, remember all of this is on a hill so right they're sloping yeah, upwards generally yeah uh so there's like a half flight of steps that leads onto another open air courtyard okay and the tile work and the way this graveyard is laid out or this courtyard is laid out makes them think that it is a graveyard uh right. intended for in-ground burials and not yes. crematorium stuff which you know? is interesting yep they note that there are no people buried here uh, Even though it is laid out as if it is supposed to have at least six burials and possibly more. Uh, so I think that's kind of weird. So laid out in the sense of like the tiles of the floor are like indicating that there should be a person here. Or yeah, it's like they the red, there's like a, there's like, no, there's no names or anything, but they oh. have like the blank slabs and stuff are ready right. to have like someone's name. Buried here. And, yeah. yeah. But they just know, they don't find any bodies um, in this space. Uh, yeah. A door leads through the red wall, so you can access uh, the tropion room from the okay. graveyard. There's a door there. You can get through it. That's yes. the only way into the red wall room is through this graveyard. Right. You can't get in any other way. Yes. Um, the mystery room with the basin in it also leads onto this alley. Yeah. Uh, so from the alley, you can get into mystery basin room, the graveyard, and the tropion courtyard. Yes. But you can't get into any pagan. It doesn't tombs. go anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere else. So it's not like it's just weird. cutting through like some of the other alleys. Just yeah. Like, or like a yeah. road. It's like a purpose-built alley. They notice that this alley also has a iron lockable iron gate. Oh. So you can completely seal off this whole complex from the rest of the necropolis. Yeah. Um, so you could stop you know, rando people from walking past. Uh, which is, interesting. Which is uh, interesting. And it, I mean, it, it lends to it not like the whole point of like, okay, they built the tropion pretty early when it was still not necessarily great to be Christian. But like, if you built this thing around it and then enclosed it, protect it, least, so no one can see them. Yeah. Can no one can see it or like just destroy it, you know? Yeah. Find out it's there. And it's and just down it. like a rando side, little side yeah. alley. It's quite a small alley. Um, 
So it's not like a big thoroughfare street like some of these other ones. It's a yeah. little snuffing alley that can be locked off completely. You know what? I almost wonder looking mm-hmm. at this graphic, mm-hmm. which everybody will be able to see on our Instagram. Yep. But so the alley, you know, the door's in a normal spot. You know, you walk in, there's some stairs, there's the door to little basin room. And mm-hmm. it kind of like if you were standing at the doorway where they would have the gate to the alley, looking straight ahead, there's a good chance the only thing you could see is the stairs and then you'd figure, oh, there's graves back there. Yes. I actually think that there's another door between the top of the stairs and the graveyard. There and there. Yeah, that's yeah. possible. So um, there's like another gate there which would block your view. Again, yeah. And then, because like, if I was in Sims, for example, <laughs> building a house that is shaped like this, I would not put the door to the courtyard with Peter in it all the mm-hmm. way to the back like it is. Yeah, no, it should be off the alley. You it would should think. be it should off be the alley. Across the, except, across the door from the basin room. Right, except if you're trying to conceal that there's another space here. Mm-hmm. You put it all the way at the back so that people who either are in the alley and can't get into the graveyard or are just outside this whole complex can't even mm-hmm. see that, that there's, there's another, another door yeah. there mm-hmm. to like it's like hiding it even more mm-hmm. which it's not rich. only hides the room itself but hides the voices yes of people who yeah. are back there because they're now they're behind so many walls right you know to the general um, people walking around, mm-hmm. like, at the Agricola tomb. Or yeah, it's a very Robinson. well, like, set back and enclosed space. It's very interesting, yeah. Yep. Because that door, uh, where that door is, is, like, you look at it and you're like, that makes no sense. Yeah, why would you put it there? Yeah. Yeah. Except if. Yep. 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 Uh, so you might remember that in the old-timey records, somebody said that the Tropeon and a graveyard for popes had been laid out by Peter's grave about 20 yes. years after he died. So the thinking is that this is what this, this graveyard is for, but they don't, like, you know, they can't explain why there's nobody in it. They're like, maybe they never actually buried anyone here. You know, those people got martyred and they couldn't get their bodies or for whatever yeah. reason, they just never ended up here. Or maybe they used to be here, but they got taken away by Constantine. Like Constantine moved them to a more respectable place rather than, you know, sealing this all in. Although honestly, in the grand scheme of things, Constantine, if you think Peter's here, they probably want to stay next to Peter regardless. Yeah, they're probably happy where they are. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if Uh, you're going to put a giant cathedral on top. Yeah. Uh, But that's the thinking. They're like, either nobody was ever buried here for, you know, political danger yeah. reasons or there were somebody here and they've just been moved at some point um which is possible yeah it's interesting it almost but seems there's like there's nobody there now yeah it was like to me it feels like there would be evidence of you know they would have the pope's name on there and then you'd be like why isn't there a guy here it's like oh, yeah no i don't think they it. even have their names on i here. don't it's like yeah. it's like a blank court it's like a blank graveyard that's ready and then right. just never got used like all of the stones are blank yeah yeah it's. It feels very much like just nobody was ever buried there, probably for, like you said, like reasons of, yeah, you can't get the bodies or it's too dangerous, like political mm-hmm. stuff, or like somebody decided, okay, yeah, our pope just died, but we don't want to. Yeah, he's going to be with his family buried. or something else. Yeah, yeah she's going to go somewhere else. Yeah, we don't want to show where, like, why and where he, we're burying him because mm-hmm. that brings attention to where Peter's buried. Yep. Or, or um, like, it almost feels like, like, stuff got lost in the history, you know, translation. It almost yeah. feels like that that graveyard is, like, a decoy. Yeah, maybe. Except, <laughs> remember, the pagans don't bury people. 
That's true. Right. They yeah. do like uh, earn uh-huh. in a little niche kind of thing. So the fact that none of this complex, none of this complex has the niches and things that are traditional for cremation burials. It only has this very clear whole body in ground burial complex. So they're well, reasonably you... sure that this was built for Christian yes. for the Christian yeah, community. Yeah. They didn't, you know, they didn't co-opt yeah. an existing space. Um, and um, they're, they're not really trying to hide it because they haven't put in any of the niches or normal stuff that everyone else has. Oh, okay. You know? Well, so from afar, because like you can't necessarily see the floor if you're like no, down it would the just level. seem like a courtyard. It would just which seem are like reasonably common in this necropolis yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it could be like, like, unless you were actually in there, you wouldn't necessarily know that it's a space yeah, for a cemetery, yeah. ground burials. Yeah, um, probably not. So it could still just be like another decoy. Like if somebody looks in through that gate at the front and just like, ah, there's just a weird, you know, there's another it's courtyard. Because a, a lot of these Roman tombs have sort of anteroom little garden waiting yeah. areas for the family to like, you know, you come visit your deceased relatives, you have a little picnic in the anteroom. Yeah. Kind of thing. So there are so like the little courtyards about anyway. So yeah. it's not unusual. And it would also conceal it in the sense of, like, you know, people who are, like, grave robbers, basically. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, is there anything valuable back there? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it kind of just looks like yeah. an open space that never yep. was used. Okay, moving on. Yep. Uh, now, you might remember anyway. <laughs> when they were poking around to get under the graffiti wall and into Peter's grave. Yes. There are other people buried immediately around Peter in the yes. Tropion courtyard. Yep. Uh, like, a decent number of other people. Just kind of uh, shoved in there. Yeah, and it's the way they said that in their records and the way they did the excavations and stuff, it's very clear that all of these graves were thought out very carefully of like, get as close as you can to Peter without disrupting the other people who are already there. Interesting. So they're all like different levels and on top of each other and they're all at weird angles to just like get as close as possible without disrupting the existing burials. Like, get your head as close as possible yeah. or something. Yeah, so it's interesting that they put these burials in immediately around Peter in the Tropion courtyard, but then nobody ever used the, used the other one, the dedicated graveyard, which is a little odd. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, yep. Some of these so people wait, who are buried the... right around Peter are quite wealthy burials. So they think maybe some of these guys are the early popes. Oh, yeah. Who just, like, why would I be buried in the little courtyard if I could when be buried I could be right, right here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so are they? So one of them, I can see theoretically extends under the red wall. Yes. Okay. But they don't think it was there before the red wall. No, they seem to think that all of the ones immediately around Peter are were added after Peter because okay. Peter is here. Yeah, and the red wall. Well, we don't know when the red wall got there yet. Yeah. So they're reasonably sure, looking at all of this, that. When Constantine turned up in around the year 330, he finds this whole complex already in existence. Right. right? All of this yeah. stuff is here. And he just takes a chunk of it, cuts, you know, knocks through the red wall partially and just encloses like this little area here. Yeah. And builds everything on top. And then builds yeah. everything on top. And then the rest of this complex is treated the same way as the rest of the necropolis. Yeah. They just slice off the tops of the walls, fill it all with dirt. Yeah. And it gets left. And it's just under the Vatican. Uh, question. Which is fine. So, yes. uh, now that we've seen like this, the rest of this complex, this red wall is the only red wall. Like it's not like all the walls are red. Uh, no, not all. The, it's just painted red. So it's been okay. it's a brick wall that's been plastered over and then painted red. And you'll remember yeah. that like some of these, some of the other ones are red. Yeah. 
Like red is not an uncommon color in okay. this. Um, so they don't think the red itself is necessarily significant. No, they don't think it's that just... means anything. It's just okay. a popular color. It's a good, you know, good, solid, weather-resistant gotcha. ancient Roman yeah. color. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, and Probably the graffiti wall like is blue, remember? Yes. Okay. Yep. So the rest of the walls, it's not that, like, these two walls necessarily have any meaning other than they were part of this complex yeah they're just part of the yeah. complex yeah, that they is don't mean, the meaning they're just walls yeah. yeah okay uh so the other gotcha. question is when was this whole complex built because uh the record says that pope anacletus did it about 20 years after peter died and yes. so they're like is that true right um the dates line up this is like we're see if they can figure it out. They can tell pretty much immediately that this whole complex was built at about the same time. They think certainly within a couple of years of each yeah. other. Um, so they this was all purpose built at once together to fit into yeah. the space. Interesting. Uh, some more poking around. They find some like drainage sewage lines that have hmm. tile lining. Cool. And because the Romans were very logistical and on top of their shit, some of the tiles yeah. have like maker's mark stamps on them. Oh, hell yeah. Yep. And they find enough of them that have the same maker's mark that they can date it pretty tightly. Wow. Uh, so they date it to the reign of Marcus Aurelius, who was the emperor at the time, okay. uh, which dates this whole complex to between 147 and 165. Um, so Peter died in like two- 65. So yeah. It's like, 100 years off. But yeah, a little, little less than 100 years after Peter died. So that doesn't seem to fit with the story that Pope Anacletus built this in about the year 80, right? Right. That doesn't work. No. So they're like, mm. But <laughs> it's still pretty wrong. soon after. It's pretty close, but it's it does yeah. seem make it seem like this Anacletus story is wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, so now they're trying to figure out how that happened or like what, what went wrong. And yeah. they think now that what happened is that... The record that records that Anacletus built this yeah. wasn't written at the time of Anacletus. It was written oh, yeah. 150 yeah. years after him. Yeah. Um, and basically what they think happened is that the Pope who reigned under Marcus Aurelius, yeah. who I know was the reigning when this happened, right. was named Anacetus. <laughs> yeah. And so they think the the, rec- the histori- hors- uh. historiographer just got the Anacletus and Anacetus mixed up yeah. and just wrote down the wrong name. Yep. And he never meant that it was within 20 years of Peter's death. No. He just got the name wrong. Just got the name wrong. He just meant Anacetus. And that's like, that seems like it ties yeah. up pretty nicely. It's like a decent those... explanation. <laughs> How is that? Can you spell both of those names for me? Yeah. Uh, Anacletus is A-N-A-C-L-E-T-U-S. Uh-huh. And Anacetus is A-N-I-S-E-T-U-S. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Especially like for he's... us, yeah, they're not writing down these popes. They're not like you can't no. look it up on Wikipedia and check it. This is a very secret community still. Yeah, for for speaking, somebody said Anacetus, and then he's like, ah, shit, I forgot what name it was. Was it Anacletus? <laughs> like... I think it was Anacletus. Let's go with yeah. that. <laughs> and he can't go ask anyone because no. you know there aren't that many Christians and nobody remembers anyway. So they're like reasonably sure that that's what happened. Is that this guy who that's wrote the record funny. just got these names mixed up, and it was always it was always under Marcus Aurelius and the mid 100s because because that guy initial record doesn't say you know 20 years after death no it it? just says no yeah it just says under under this this pope and then everyone else knows that that pope was about 20 20 years years. after peter uh yeah so (laughs) they think that's what happened uh it also checks out because so if this was all built in the tropion and this whole complex was all built in around 150 that checks out because you remember we talked about the uh early church writer gaius 
who wrote the early Testament, New Testament. Yes. Yes, and he was alive around the year 200, and he said that there was a tropeon in the year 200, so that uh, checks out. It was built in out. about 150. Yep. All good, right? Uh, so the tropeon, like, and this whole complex was built kind of at the same time? Yeah, the I think it was like, first. they, yeah, they're not sure, they're not sure that it was built, like, literally all at once together, right. but they think, like, within about three years, this whole complex has been put up. Including yep. the tropeon. Including the tropeon, yeah. Okay. All of it together. Gotcha. Cool. Yep. Okay. Uh, so they are looking around and they are looking at the graffiti wall. Yes. Uh, which you remember sticks out from the red wall right next to the tropion. Yes. And the graffiti wall is not symmetric, right? There isn't a matching one on the other side of the tropion. Right. And so they're like, somebody clearly went through a lot of effort to make the tropion very nice and symmetric and pretty. So like, yeah. why, why is this wall here? <laughs> I have a theory. Yes. Uh, if you did manage, if somebody did manage to get all the way in, it blocks the tropion from the door. That's a good theory, but that does not seem to be the reason. Yeah. So the thinking is that uh, in the mid-200s, so when the complex is 50 to 100 years old, mm -hmm. the red wall is settling and it develops a crack, a oh. big crack. Yes. And then it's I've like been wondering coming what that was. down. It's like coming down. This crack is big enough that it's going to cause the wall to fall over. Oh. Uh, and so they build the graffiti wall in front of the crack to like shore it up. Yes. To hold up yeah. that. To bit. hold up yeah. that crack. Yeah. Which is why it's only on one side. Uh, they also, because of where the crack develops, they actually have to move one of the tropion columns in a little bit. It used oh. to be where the graffiti wall is now. Um, which makes the whole tropion kind of off-center. Off-center, yeah. Because there's, like, art and stuff painted on the red wall behind the columns. Yeah, It's all supposed to line up and make a nice little thing. But they had to move this column. They also have to slice a bit of the shelf off. Yeah. Remember, there's a shelf being supported by the columns. They have to make it shorter to fit the graffiti wall in. Yeah. Uh, so this whole thing just becomes off-center. Which is which, then perpetuated all the, the way up the to, like, the niche of the Pallia. The niche of the Pallia. Is still, still off-center, off yep. Because this, all of this is off center. Um, That's why. So if we go back to your other, your larger that one, yeah, um, is that is that crack? Why that part of the wall is like a little slanted, or no? Uh, I think the wall maybe was built slightly slanted, and then okay. the like pressure point when it settled, it kind of just like okay. snapped in half where it because okay. it but it's goes not off like, at a slight angle. Yeah, it's not like it was straight and then that crack was like no. causing it to like shift and then that. I think it's the it, other way. Okay. I think the wall was slightly crooked for whatever reason, okay. um, and then there was just too much pressure and it yeah. snapped. Yeah, and basically. It, it cracked there because you know that's where yep. the yeah okay. Uh, yeah, so they think the graffiti wall is added in the mid two hundreds, so about a hundred years after okay. this complex is built. Um, Makes sense. So the graffiti yeah. wall is younger than the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, it's younger than the rest okay. of it. Makes sense. Uh, so that all seems fine. They're happy with that. The It perpetuates cool. an ongoing asymmetry in the niche of the pallia. Sure does. <laughs> explains everything, which is Jesus. very nice and neat. Um, so here's Which a is the opposite of what the niche of the pallia yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So if you uh, want to see, they've made some little reconstructions of what they think the tropeon looked like. Cute. Yes. Uh, so there's a little man for scale. This is a six foot modern man. Okay. So a, f a six foot tall modern man would just hit his head on the shelf. Right. Um, and old timey people obviously were shorter. Shorter. Yeah. Uh, so this like they don't think that this is an altar. 
because it's too high. Right. Um, but you can see the grave is a little like wonky and off center. Yep. It all makes sense. There's more stuff kind of behind the trope and there's a little wall carved in the red wall. There's like yeah. stuff back here. Yeah. Uh, yep. So that all okay. is fine. That's what they think it looked like. Um, they think that, so the Vatican team's looking at all this stuff. They're trying to work out how this happened, you know, why they decided right. to build what they build. Um, and so the thinking is that when they took Peter's body off the cross and buried him in this active popular graveyard, that it would have been like hushed and hurried and middle of the night and like yes. get it done quick so we don't all get crucified right. kind of deal. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what they think they would have done initially on that first night that he died is they would have just buried him in a quick like poppers slab burial, which we talked about briefly last time right. where there's no, you know, there's no mausoleum, there's no sarcophagus, there's no big fancy tomb. It's yeah. just like dig a hole in the ground, put the body in. Um, and then they would take two pieces of um, marble or stone and sort of make like a little tent over the body to protect it from oh. uh, dirt and landslides and stuff. Okay. So I think that's probably what they did to Peter initially. Yes. Um, and then over the next few decades, it's on a hill, right? So the land yes. is slumping. Yes. Uh, so they think over the next few decades, somebody put in the little angled retaining wall, oh. uh, which Kirschbaum saw when his head was in the tomb, remember? He yes. saw one wall that seemed like it was off angle from the red wall. Right. So they think they put that in to sort of stop the settling and sliding in and encroachment onto the tomb. Is that is that wall this guy. in line with the hill? Uh, it's... It in line with, yeah, like the general way moose stuff would have been moving around moving. Yeah, and the okay. pressures. Um, so that's what the, that's where the little slanty wall came from. The slanty wall was there before the rest of the complex because it was protect, right. added to protect it when it was just this hole in the ground. Right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so that explains that. Uh, that also explains why the red wall has this sort of A notch shape, mountain shape notched into the foundation. It's because this is the little tent they made to cover his tomb. Oh. And then they just built the red wall right over it. Um, oh, so that's that makes what a that lot comes from. Sense. Yep. So that's wow. where that comes from. Wow. They also, okay. uh, so that all explains all that, all nice and neat. And then they, when they come to actually build the complex, the rest of it, you know, all this stuff, yes. in, like 80 to 100 years after he died, they are trying to fit this complex into the existing structures around and the necropolis oh. is getting more and more popular it's being taken over by wealthier and wealthier people so there's more people building like big mausoleums and streets and stuff and so they have to like what? my internet connection is unstable hang on it's <laughs> happening you turn off your video if it helps that. It's actually saying that I have no internet right now. It's lying. Oh, yeah. All right, it's back. Uh, backtrack to right after the explanation of the py little pyramid in the red wall. Yep. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> so that explains why they have this weird little notch cut in the bottom of the red wall. It explains why they have the weird retaining wall on the side of Peter's grave. Uh, and so then they're looking at the rest of this complex and it was built, 
you know, 80 to 100 years after Peter was buried. And by that time, you remember last week how I was saying that all of the other tombs that they found in this long row were built like 100 to 200 years after Peter died. So when this, when Peter was buried, this cemetery was active, but it was like smaller and poorer. And then sometime after he died, it sort of gains popularity and draws a bunch more rich families and they start building these fancier tombs. Uh, so by the time they get around to building the red wall complex, a hundred years after he dies, this, most of this street is here. There's like stuff crowding in around. There's like a system of roads and walls right. and things in place now yeah. that they have to like f- fit into, yes. you know, yep. they don't get free reign to just build whatever they want. They have to like match the existing patterns and blend in and right. all this stuff, uh, which is how they end up with, uh, the red wall ends yes. up getting laid right across the middle of Peter's grave. Right. They, like, do the best they can, and the only way they can work out to get all of this to fit and look right is by cutting his grave in half, which is unfortunate, but it's, like, that's what they decided they had to do, I guess. Yeah. So they put the red wall on top of his grave, which is why it has a little notch in the bottom, because it goes right across the top. Right. They basically destroy part of the grave because it's now under the alley. Yeah. Um, And so what they do is they open the grave, they take um, all the remains from the part they're going to destroy and kind of push it all into the part that gets saved under the tropeon. Right. Okay. Uh, that's also why the red wall is at an angle to Peter's grave because yes. it needs to fit in with the patterns of the rest of the city and the rest of the city is running like this. So the red wall has to run like this. And yep. the fact that it's off from Peter's grave is like, let's just deal with it. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Um, so what they think happened is that by the time they, do this where they destroy half the grave and build the red wall across the middle. Yes. Um, they think he's probably already partially, if not completely skeletonized. It's been about a hundred years. Yeah. Right. Um, so they think they collect his bits from the part they're going to destroy and put him in a new coffin or box of some sort and put the whole thing in the part they save. Okay. The tropion. Okay. Uh, and then the excavators are thinking because, you know, there wasn't a box in here when Kirschbaum stuck his head in there, right? Yeah. It was just like some random bits. There also in wasn't. The niche under the red wall. There also wasn't like the two slabs. Uh, no, the slabs have been moved. I think possibly the slabs they moved when they um, put the red wall in. Oh, okay. Or possibly one of them caved in and that's why it was flat looking up. Gotcha. Um, they're not super worried about that, but okay. they are a little bit. They're like, there's no way that when these guys destroyed this half of the grave to build this red wall complex, that they just like dumped his bones yeah. in the remaining part, right? Which is how Kirschbaum found them, right? They were yeah. just scattered about like in a, in a heap. And they're yeah. like, there's no way they did that when they did this initially. So what they're thinking is that possibly, you remember when the Saracens raided Rome in the Ooh. 800s? Yeah. And they said that they did something. Yeah. To the high altar area. So they're thinking that maybe the Saracens got in and kind of rummaged about. Yeah. And, you know, left it in a in a jumble. Or possibly somebody else, knowing that the Saracens were coming, mm. came down in here and sort of pushed everything into the back darkest corner under the red wall. Right. In the hopes that the Saracens wouldn't notice it. Yeah. Right, which is where Kirschbaum found the bones. They were like in the back under, under. the red wall as far away. Yeah. You know. As deep in in the grave as you can get. So that's what they're thinking. They're like, there's no way it was like this initially. Yeah. Something must have happened since then. And those are the 
the two likely choices that either the Saracens did this yeah. or somebody else did this to try to protect it from the Saracens. That's yeah. what I think. Because I wonder, like, especially since the there isn't, like, a box there, if the box is, like, fancy and gold, they're like, ooh, gold box, take it out, mm-hmm. dump it out, just yeah. dump the shit out of it, take the box. Yep. Yep. So whatever happened to it, they're pretty sure that this is not what the original builders did. Right. Yeah. It doesn't (laughs) make sense. (laughs) Unlikely. Yep. So they're working on all this stuff. They're expanding the excavations in all directions under the basilica. They're learning lots of nifty stuff. They found Agricola, which is very pleasing. Delightful. It's all very interesting. Everything checks out. The Anacletus, Anacetus issue is cleared up. Yep. Everything's great. So they started this whole thing in 1939 when they were going to try to lower the grotto floor. Right. Um, In late 1945, so about six years after this whole thing starts. Yes. um, They have finished like the most of the excavation work and they have moved on to writing up the publications and, you know, organizing the photos and things so that they can release all this to the public. Okay. All of that takes an additional four years. Yep. So it's not until uh, 1949 that really anything gets released to the public. Okay. Uh, And Pius XII, who is the Pope now, had declared 1950 a holy year where they were going to do extra fun festivals and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, well, it's 1949. We're like wrapping all this up. So let's just wait for hold it and yeah publish it all in 1950 and it'll be like part of the celebrations and things okay and they're like that works out that's great nice um unfortunately somehow something gets leaked to the public Uh oh so in august of 1949 um the press uh prints an article i think in the new york times an article is printed about like oh they found peter's tomb they found saint yeah you know, uh, except these press releases aren't press releases, right? They don't have all the information. Yeah. They just have like a weird jumble. Yep. Uh, and so like the things that get published to the release to the public aren't totally accurate. And they're like a little aggrandized, you know, right? Like, yeah. A lot, you know, makes too, sense. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of exaggeration. and It's like not totally accurate. Right. Um, so that happens in August of 1949. Um, Pius decides to hold off. Um, the formal announcement until Christmas Eve of the following year, so towards the end of the mm. whole year in 1950. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, but on Christmas Eve of 1950, he makes the official announcement via radio. Yeah. I'm going to read you the tra- English translation of what he said. Ooh, okay. Uh, so you can hear it. So, quote, Has the tomb of St. Peter really been found? To that question, the answer is beyond all doubt, yes. The tomb of the Prince of Apostles has been found. Such is the final conclusion after all the labor and study of these years. A second question, subordinate to the first, refers to the relics of St. Peter. Have they been found? At the side of the tomb, remains of human bones have been discovered. However, it is impossible to prove with certainty that they belong to the body of the apostle. This still leaves intact the historical reality of the tomb itself. Unquote. Yep. Yep. So he's like, absolutely, we found the tomb for sure. Yes. Yeah. The bones, eh. maybe. Yeah. Just like, well, <laughs> just like, like anybody else, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, you have he's no idea. very careful to be yeah. like, we don't know about the bones. Yes. Even though they kind of think they do have them, right? They right. think that, that those bones they took out are it him. Probably is. Yeah. He's still like the problems you had at the end of the last episode about yeah. like, how could you sex the skeleton and all that? Yeah. The Pope is very aware of that and does yeah. not want to say that we absolutely have the right. bones. He's like, we found some bones in the tomb. Yeah. Draw your own conclusions. Right. <laughs> basically. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, All right. so, you know, that's what the public gets. Uh, at the beginning of the next year, about like a month and a half later, early 1951, the formal reports are published. Yep. Um, you know, there are these big fancy volumes with full color illustrations right. and everything. They're fancy. Um, so that, those are released in 1951. Uh, at the beginning of December of 1950, so just like two-ish weeks before the Pope makes the announcement, they find the first direct link between the name of Peter and this complex. Oh. Because remember in the Necropolis, the only thing they really find about Peter is those drawings of those heads. Right. Yeah. Which are a reference to Peter, but they don't really necessarily mean that Peter is anywhere nearby, right? Right. Yeah. Because also Jesus is referenced and Jesus isn't yeah, anywhere nearby. Yeah, also not nearby. <laughs> so this, so the first time they find any like direct link is in December of 1950. Goodness. It's actually so late that this can't be included in the publication because it's already been like sent off. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's only like two weeks before the Pope makes the announcement. Um, but what they find is some excavators are like hanging out down there, tidying things up, taking yeah. some, you know, you know, doing random miscellany stuff down here in this necropolis. And one guy is poking around the graffiti wall and he looks down in the marble lined niche thing at the uh, bottom yeah. of the graffiti wall. And he notices that there's a chunk of masonry from the red wall, which they assume got like loosened or dislodged during the excavation and has fallen from the red wall down into this cavity. Okay. And he's like, oh, okay. And somebody should do something about that. Uh, and apparently it, they think it must have fallen within a day or two before he looked because people are going in and out of this yeah. all the time and it wasn't there before. Um, but he picks it up and he's looking at it. And at the um, on the side that has the red plaster on it, yeah, there is a little scratched graffiti that somebody scratched into the plaster that says, um, it says P-E-T-R, uh -huh. and then a separate word says E-N-I. Uh, and yeah. so that doesn't mean anything to us, but the scholars of ancient Latin and stuff, yeah. um, what it means is that um, Peter is within, uh -huh. or Peter is nearby. And so they're like, well, this is, so this is a reference to Peter being here, here. like in this yeah. complex, right? Wow. So they're like, great. That's the first, the first real mention of Peter. Okay. Um, because if you remember, his name's not on the graffiti wall either. Yeah. So there's just no mention of him. And it's not really um, so on the tropion. Nope. It's not on the tropion. Yeah. So they've been operating on the assumption that it's Peter because the traditions say that the basilica is built on Peter. Peter. Yeah. But they, right. It could, this could just be somebody else's fancy... Yeah tomb complex right they don't yep. really know um until they find this thing and they kind of see it the vatican researchers and stuff kind of see this as like a, a sign from god that like it's been like over a decade since they started this work why has this suddenly yeah this piece of masonry suddenly fallen right. at exactly the right time that somebody finds it and yeah. this is the one little chunk that says peter's here yeah on it and so like you know that's very exciting for them that's very cute Yep. So now they've published their, uh, you know, their initial set of reports. The general public knows about this. You know, it's causing lots of excitement. It's a big deal, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a fucking massive complex. And it's yeah. just a sh treasure trove of archaeological and historic data. Right. Not just for like early Christianities, but just like the Everything. general Roman yeah. culture and stuff. Um, so it's, you know, they've been working on this for 10 years already, and it will continue basically forever, right? They'll yeah. never stop researching this. Right. So they've published the initial reports for the public, but the Vatican is still funding ongoing research 
in the yep. area, you know, just like continuing because of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over the next decade or so, they select a number of like respected global scholars to come in and look at various different things. Yeah. Um, you know, so they get art historians and architecture experts and, you yeah. know, to just come look at yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, one of the people that they choose is a lady called Margarita Gar- Garducci, I think. Okay. Uh, she is a professor at a Italian university. Her specialty is epigraphy, um, okay. which is the study of like <laughs> writings and inscriptions and graffiti and oh, stuff like okay. that. Okay. Uh, so they bring her in. Initially, they bring her in to look at the two little drawings of Peter and Jesus in the Valerius tomb. Right. Like, that's the main thing that she's come to see. So she comes in. She's very important to the rest of the story. Dr. Okay. Gaudacci. Um So she comes in. And she, you know, they take her down on her first day and, like, show her around because it's all very exciting and cool, right? right? So they poke around and look at stuff. Um, And she goes to see the graffiti wall Uh um, because they're like, you're into writing. So, like, come look at this. And she's like, hmm, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) She goes to look at the... uh, the little head drawings, which is what she was brought in for. Yeah. And unfortunately... Uh Uh-oh. This stuff has all been exposed to the air for a little over 10 years now. Yeah. And... The Vatican Hill, like this hill that it's built on, has like a serious water drainage seepage uh, problem. Yeah. So it's really humid down oh, here. Gotcha. It's like water beating on the walls humid. Ooh. Um, and it's damaging. It's damaging everything. But yeah. it's especially damaging this little charcoal sketch. Right. Uh, so it's deteriorated pretty significantly since when they uncovered it. And took that photo. Which is unfortunate, yeah, when they took that photo. So she's like, oh, that's not great. And so this <laughs> turns out to be harder than she thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but so she, you know, she sits down, she gets her giant magnifying glass, somebody holds a flashlight for her, and she's down there for a while. Yeah. Um, and she's trying to figure out what the inscription says, and eventually she works it out, and she thinks it says, Peter, pray Jesus Christ for the holy Christian men buried near your body. Oh. So this is yeah. uh, the little chunk that they found in the niche was the first reference that Peter was nearby. And now here is a second reference that the people buried in this area knew that Peter was buried nearby. Right? Yeah. Like they buried these Christians in this tomb because they know that Peter is nearby. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, Peter's tomb is about 60 feet away from the Valerius yeah. mausoleum. Pretty so close. Not that far. Yeah. Yep. Hmm, so that's okay. very exciting for them. Uh, it was an exciting drawing anyway, because if you remember, this was the first time they yep. had like a little picture drawn like this. That was also yeah. already very exciting. It was anything uh, she, like Christian yep. related. Yep. Yeah. So they're very, they're very jazzed about this. They're pleased that the inscription confirms, you know, that these, it wasn't just a coincidence that this drawing yeah. is here, right? It was here because they knew that Peter was nearby. Right. Um, so that's all good. She dates the inscription to between 290 and 310. Okay. So 150-ish years after the complex was built, yep. but 20 to 30 years before the basilica is built. Right. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, she wraps up that work like relatively quickly. It doesn't take that long. It's not a very big um, little drawing. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, you know, she's been down here for a couple weeks. It's a very interesting place. Yes. Uh, especially if you're somebody who's made a whole life of right. studying ancient you know, ancient Greek and Roman inscriptions. Yeah. And so she's like, I would really like to look at the graffiti wall because there's like a shitload of stuff on the graffiti wall and that's yeah. my jam and this is fun and I would like to stay here. Yeah. Um, so she asks the Pope and he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Go for <laughs> <That's> it. <fine>. <laughs> <laughs> so she starts looking at the graffiti wall in 1953. Okay. 
Uh, and almost immediately, she's looking at this wall, and she's like, this is, something's wrong with this. Oh. Like, it's too complicated. There's too many lines. And it's not just that people have, like, written over each other. Right. It's like, even more than that, there's too many lines. Huh. Like, a lot of, almost all the letters have, like, extra prongs and tails and stuff sticking out of them. Weird. And it's too much to be explained by, like, simple differences in handwriting. Yeah. It's too much to be explained by things being written over each other. Yeah. It's like, these people are writing these letters wrong on purpose. Like, code? She's like, she's like I don't know what the fuck this is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she She says that she'd never seen anything like this on any other, like, early Christian shrines. So she's like, yeah. I don't know what this is about. Yeah. And she, like, she spends, like, months and months, like, it's like a maze, right? Like, yeah. Like, which, which way you trace the letters. Right. And so she's like, if you go this way, does that make sense? No, that doesn't make sense. How about if we go this way? No, that doesn't make sense either. And she's yeah. just like trying to find a way to trace all this out that makes the makes the letters make sense. Yeah. But like after, I think like a year plus of sitting in the dark on a cushion with a magnifying glass. Yeah. She starts to think that like, they must be intentional, all these extra lines. So they right. must mean something. And so maybe the fact that I can't figure it out is a clue that I'm not supposed to be able to figure out because this is some kind of code. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. So she starts doing research into ancient codes Codes. and symbology and secret, secret texts and stuff. Yeah. Um, And she comes across this thing known as mystical cryptology. Oh, fancy. (laughs) Yep. So it's the use of like codes and symbols and stuff to transmit information between some in group. Yes. Um, obviously, which is what all cryptology is, right? Yeah. It's to keep some co- some like information secret. secret. Um, yeah. But the mystical part is sort of an academic, it's an academic phrase. Yeah. And it was reasonably common among ancient Romans to have like, it's not just in code because you need to keep it secret. It's like, it's in code because that's more fun and oh. it makes things seem mysterious and interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. And apparently the Romans do this a lot. Just like it's just like it's fun. Yeah. It's, it just makes things seem woo if everything's in code all the time. And it's right. just like a thing Romans did for okay. pagan stuff and for normal stuff and whatever. Oh, yeah. She's like, well, these people, the early Christians were Romans. Yeah. So it makes sense that they would have a similar cultural affinity for like spooky code codes. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, well, maybe that's what this is. Um, that they've made up a spooky code. Yeah. Um, which also, you know, it, it's cultural. It'd be fun, you know, interesting. Yeah. It's part of what they do. But on top of that, it's still very dangerous for them to be Christian. Right. So it makes sense that anything they write down and leave behind is in code so that they can't, you know, be yes. in trouble. Yep. So they think, she starts to think that they have developed a, like, a whole new language of codes and symbols so that they can, uh, you know, leave graffiti behind, make invocations that other Christians recognize, but that unfriendly observers can't recognize. Yeah. And once she works this out, she like, she just like discovers a massive dictionary of symbols and, you know, typographic changes and things that have all these secret meanings. Okay. Um, and basically immediately she starts to unravel this and oh, comes across tons of Christian phrases, like references to Christ as God and Christ as the son of God. Okay. Um, the victory of the cross, references okay. to the resurrection, the Holy Trinity. All good. Christ is the shepherd. Christ is the light of the world. Like it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> All of like, the tropes this is definitely, right here. Yeah. This is, this is Christian code. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, and also as soon as she works this out, 
Peter's name wasn't on the graffiti wall. Yes, it fucking is. Uh, it's fucking everywhere on the everywhere. graffiti wall. Yeah. yeah, it's just like all over the place. Uh, so there's tons of instances of Peter's name. There's also pretty explicit uh, references to his body being nearby. Ah. So, you know, not just we're calling on Peter, but like yeah. he's here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's like a treasure trove, an enormous amount wow. of all these codes and they're very complicated and, um, you know, she works all this out, which is great for her. Uh, she goes so far as there's this like symbol that kind of looks like a key, I guess is how they describe mm. it. Okay. That apparently has appeared, like, Roman scholars know about it. It appears on, um, like, in documents, on monuments, on coins, and mosaics, and road signs, and, like, just, like, all over the place, there's this symbol. And the Roman uh, scholars have never been able to explain what this is. Yeah. And they... They think it's like a pagan good luck charm or something is like the right. best general consensus. Miscellany. And her work on the graffiti wall is like, no, this is a symbol for Peter. Oh. Like, that's what this means. And that's why it's like a key. Like, he has the keys to the kingdom, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's got a P, Petros. Yeah. You know? She's like, yeah, that's what this is. And that's why it's all over oh. the graffiti wall. And also why it's carved kind of in random as like a... Yeah. It is christian graffiti is what yeah. it is it's just actual gra- some of it is actually just graffiti <laughs> it's just actually graffiti yeah, it's yeah just actual christian graffiti and she explains oh. this thing that had been baffling scholars for years wow which is interesting uh That's all cool. of her work on like decoding and sorting out the graffiti wall takes about five years so yeah. she doesn't start publishing it until 1958 okay so it's like just imagine sitting in the dark down there so long uh, so long with your giant magnifying glass in the <laughs> and dark in the cool. For like the first at least year, being like, what the fuck does this yeah. say? What is happening? And you'd Can be you like, imagine so the imposter syndrome? <laughs> she's like a well-respected epigrapher. She's done this a thousand times. And she's like, why isn't this she's working? Like, Am I an absolute dumbass right now? She's like, <laughs> yeah. like this it's just so is too fun. important for it to say nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it takes five years. So, like, that just tells you, like, how complicated and unusual this is. Yeah, that's crazy. And what, like, a revelation it was for, uh, like, scholarly work. It is so satisfying that it then says it has Peter all over it. I know, it's just all all fucking over it. She's like, oh, yeah, it does say Peter, never mind. Never mind. It's like, there's like, why does it say Peter anywhere in here? And everybody's just been walking past this wall for decades. (laughs) Yep. So the next thing I'm going to tell you about is what I would call the mistake with a capital M. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't like that. And that is the cliffhanger we will end this episode on. So remember, this is only episode five of six, so there is... A second half to this recording that will be coming out soon. If you like these episodes, uh, please do us a favor and like, rate, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use, or simply just tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best thing that a podcast can have. Bye!